But waiting is the hard part, right? Well, waiting is the part that uh, we don't do so well. But we always know that what we wait for is worth the wait, right? This is Isaiah 35. The Taylor family already read it for us earlier in the service, but we're going to read it again. I get you to stand for the word as we prepare our hearts to receive from him. Isaiah 35 says, And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. The parched ground will become a pool, and springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. Marsh grass and reeds and rushes will flourish where desert jackals once lived, and those who have been redeemed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy, and sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness. That is when he comes, church, but spoiler alert, he's already here. Let's pray. God, would you take the next few moments to set aside distractions in our lives? These next few moments to open our hearts and our ears to receive something from you tonight. There are going to be many thoughts rolling around our heads in the next few moments that are from the enemy that are going to try to distract us from hearing your word. But in the name of Jesus Christ, he has no place here. And we give these next few moments of taking in what you have in store for us tonight to give them over to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we all agreed and said, amen, amen. You guys can take a seat. Can we give a hand to the worship team for honoring us the way and leading us the way they have? That's good. Both, both on the north side and the south side. My name is Jamie. If you're new or you're visiting, uh, I just want to welcome you and say, hey, we're so glad uh, that you guys are here to worship with us, to experience Christ with us. Uh, I'm one of the assistant pastors and uh, I get to say hello for the very first time from this stage to our South Campus. Love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us at the Cineplex. And uh, we're excited for Christmas, right? You're excited for Christmas? Kind of? Okay, good. Um, well, it's Advent. Uh, who here kind of grew up in church? Like you, you grow up, go, just raise your hand, Southside, raise your hand too. Uh, if you grew up in church, how many of you remember like Advent every year. Like you remember lighting the candles and a family would come and awkwardly read the Advent scripture and reading for the, you guys all remember that? Yeah, well, we're going to do that. And uh, we're going to, we want, we really, as a staff felt like we want to, to dip into um, the Advent season. And uh, when I was sat down with my creative team, uh, we talked a little bit about um, the incarnation of Christ and what it really meant that Jesus came. And so we said, well, we really need to do an Advent series. And Advent is literally a, a, a Latin word that means coming. And Advent is all about celebrating and anticipating the coming of Christ, the celebration of the nativity of Christ. That's really what Advent is all about. And it's not just about waiting, 
And that's where the issue kind of comes in because waiting is hard sometimes. Sometimes we don't like to wait for things. But there's something very advantageous in waiting. And something that is advantageous is something that um, is a favorable, favorable circumstance that comes into your life to make you your life more successful. Or it, it's a positive event or a situation in your life that makes you effective at something. And we think that Advent can do that for each one of us. We believe that waiting is an advantageous thing in your life. Because we learn a lot of lessons when it comes to waiting. And so that's kind of what we're going to be dipping in for the next few weeks. We believe that God can still visit us, that he can change us, that he can transform us. But sometimes it's in the really difficult parts. Sometimes it's in the waiting. And that's what advantageous is going to be all about. Is there anybody here who um, would consider themselves a patient person? South side, north side, raise your hand. If you consider yourself a patient person, there's a few of you, maybe 20, 25%. Now, I want you to put your hands high in the air, south, north. If you're a patient person, keep your hand in the air. Now, if, if you enjoy waiting, I want you to keep your hand in the air. If waiting is something that you enjoy, okay, one of you, even the most patient person doesn't really like to wait for things. Waiting is not a biblical value that we read about. Waiting is not something that we like to do. But we have to do it. Sometimes we have to wait on the Lord. And some things just happen to be worth waiting for. And Isaiah 35 talks about that. And for uh, generations, the Israelite people have been waiting for the Messiah. And for the first half of Isaiah's book, he, he was a prophet ordained by God to give the Israelite people a message. And, and for the first half of his book, it was all about judgment. And it was all about what would happen to Israel if they kept not following God, if they kept um, walking away from their faith in their creator. And this happens for many, many, many chapters. But it's until chapter 35, we first begin to get this sense that there's something else to God. It's not just a, a, a just and a, and a, and a God who, who wants to bring judgment it's a God who is love and who is mercy. And these people are hearing from this prophet, and all they hear is judgment, judgment, judgment. Why do we want to wait for a Messiah who is going to do that? And then he flips the script in Isaiah 35, which is what we just read. And he begins to give a prophetic message of hope and mercy and love and salvation. Waiting is not always easy, but it is worth it. God's love is worth the wait. The Messiah was worth the wait for them. And so in verses 5 and 6, he, Isaiah says, the Messiah will open the eyes of the blind. He will unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will jump. The mute will sing. And so we begin to get this sense that there's this, there's this physical healing that is going to come. When the Messiah comes. And then there's, in verses 6 and 7, there's this kind of natural growth. He talks about there being streams flowing through the wastelands, pools in the desert sands. There's vegetation that will grow. 
And in verse 10, it talks about this kind of mental and spiritual preparation that the Messiah will bring. There will be joy and there will be gladness. There will be salvation, sorrow, and mourning will flee. And so all of a sudden, the Israelite people get the sense that maybe this is worth the wait. Maybe the Messiah really is worth the wait. If these things happen in my life, if I wait on him, then he is worth the wait. Um, The past few summers, I've had, um, I've been able to officiate some weddings. And um, I'm married, I've been married for 11 years, and so I know the preparation and the time and the money that goes into weddings. And um, it always comes down to this one moment where the bride busts through the door and everyone stands and everyone looks at her, right? Really, the wedding is all about that moment. Everyone gets to see the dress and the makeup and the hair and everyone's eyes are right on her, right? Because that, that, that's, that's, the, that's the moment of the wedding. But I've, as I've officiated a few weddings the past few years, there's this split second that you have to see the look on the groom's face when he realizes that the wait is worth it. And you can kind of see this sparkle or this facial change where you just see it in the groom's eyes or in his face that this wait has been hard. And, And the preparations for this wedding have been long. And I've got to deal with the in-laws, and then the wait seems so hard, but there's this moment where it all becomes worth it. And you can catch it in their eyes about halfway down the aisle. I remember standing um, in a big Catholic church in Memram Cook where Catherine and I got married. And I remember standing on uh, steps very similar to these, and I remember just watching her dad walk her down the aisle. And that 30 feet seemed like eternity. Like it seemed like it was such a long wait. And I was just kind of thinking in my head as my heart and my, my head are just re- reeling with all these thoughts and all these emotions. I'm thinking, hurry up. Like I know that you want all the eyes on you in this very moment, but don't you want to walk down the aisle just a little bit quicker? Look what you get to live with. Like, can you not speed this thing up a little bit? And here they are just sauntering step by step. And this 30 feet of aisle looks like, it feels like 30 minutes. But here's the thing, is that the, worth was, the wait was worth it. And in that moment, you just know that the wait is worth it. Israel had to wait hundreds of years for their Messiah at the time of this book being written. But Jesus was worth it. The wait is always worth it. And so as my wife was coming down the aisle, I'm going to be completely honest, right? We're adults here. Um, that, uh, that's not the thing I was waiting for the most, right, on the wedding day. I'm just being completely honest. I, I was a bit of a picky eater, and so I wasn't really looking forward to the meal at the reception. Because I was like, ah, that's not... But we all know what I was really waiting for the day of the wedding, right? Hotel pizza. What are you laughing? What were you guys thinking I was going to say? Because I, what I was thinking was, as soon as we get to the hotel, we're calling Pizza Hut. 
And we did. As soon as we got to our honeymoon suite, we plopped ourselves down on the couch. We turned the TV on. Live 8, which was a worldwide uh, con benefit concert, was on TV. And we literally called Pizza Hut. We waited 30 minutes or it was free. We sat down and we ate our pizza and we watched TV. The wait was so long, but it was so good. It was worth the wait. And then we went to bed and nothing else happened. So, you bunch of prudes. And so it was worth the wait. And there are always places in our lives where we have to wait. Uh, like the doctor's office, right? Or like maybe it's the ER. You have to sit in that waiting room forever. Oh, my, shoot, my, my doctor's receptionist is here. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. But um, maybe it's the garage, right? You have, you, have to take, you have to take your car in, and you have no idea what that bill's going to look like, but you're going to have to sit there because you've got no wheels until that thing is ready. Sometimes, sometimes the wait doesn't seem worth it, right? Service NB, can you hear me? The DMV, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? In case you don't, DMV, which is what Americans basically would call Service NB, um, is literally the slowest place on earth. And just to prove my point, we're going to watch this quick little clip. Well, are you saying that because he's a sloth, he can't be fast? Flash, flash, 100 yard dash. Buddy, it's nice to see you. Nice to see you, too. Hmm. Officer Judy Hap, CPD, how are you? I am doing fine well what hang in there can i do well i was hoping you could run a for you well i was hoping you today could... well i was hoping you could run a plate for us we are in a really big hurry what's the plate two nine t number two nine thd zero three two Nine. T. HD03. H. D03. D. Zero three. Zero. Three. Hey, Flash, want to hear a joke? No! Sure. What do you call a three humped camel? I don't. No. Pregnant. Ah. <laughs> 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 ah. Ah. Yes, uh, very funny, very funny. Can we please just uh, focus on the tag? Hey. Wait, wait, wait. Priscilla. Oh, no. Yes. Flash. What? <gasps> Do. No. You call. Uh, Humped camel, um, pregnant. Okay, great, we got it. Please jump. See, we're all waiting for something, and typically it would be worth the wait. But then there's always something more. I know that my kids sometimes just can't wait for school to be finished. And once school is finished, maybe, maybe you go into university, and you're in university, and uh, we begin to think, man, I just can't wait till I find my career, and just 
finish this school stuff. And then you finally, you wait for your career and you receive it. And then you begin to wait for your loved one or a spouse. Begin to wait for, some, for God to give you someone to share your life with. And maybe you find your spouse. And then you begin to wait for that first child. And maybe that first child comes. And you begin to wait for that child to get the heck out of the house. And then the child leaves the house. And you begin to wait for retirement. And after retirement, I have no idea what you guys wait for. Death? I don't, I don't, what, hap- what comes after retirement? Like eternity with Jesus? We've all got something that we're waiting for. And it's always something next. So when it comes to waiting for God, we don't just sit idle and have God snap his fingers, and change things in our life. Now, does he have the power to do that? Absolutely, yes, he does. And sometimes, maybe he'll even have things go that way. But we can't just sit and wait for God to do. Sometimes there's got to be a little bit of give and take here. We don't just sit and hope that that God changes our, our, our our career, or our job, or wait around until he just snaps his fingers and our financial situation changes. That's not how things work. While we're waiting for God to come down, he's waiting for us to get up. Amen? We on, church? Well, while we are waiting for God to come down and change things in our lives, he's waiting for us to get up. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I get that, that that's Advent language. And that's hard sometimes, is that we don't, we don't want to put the work in, but sometimes work is part of the wait. And sometimes our worship is part of the wait. And we often hear this line, uh, where, which says, I've been waiting all my life for fill in the blank. Right, ever hear anyone say, I've been waiting all my life for whatever it is? Well, we're going to look at two characters in the book of Luke in chapter 2. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. It's going to be on the screen on both campuses as well. But we want to look at two characters who literally waited their entire life for something that was worth it, which was Jesus. And so... We need to remember that while we're waiting for God to come down, God is waiting for us to get up. And these two people in Luke chapter 2, their names is Simeon and Anna. These were perfect examples for us as we think about what we need to do to meet God halfway in our waiting. And so um, in Luke 2, Israel has been um, a conquered nation for about 500 years. And it's been about 400 years since they've last heard from God. Like the, all the prophets are kind of all scattered or gone or dead. And they haven't heard from God in 400 years. And they've been a conquered nation. And they're beginning to lose all hope. And they've been waiting and waiting for generations. And they just don't know where they're at. They're waiting for this Messiah who seems really good on paper, as we've read in Isaiah 35. He seems like he's worth the wait. 
But it's been hundreds of years and we don't, we don't know what's going to happen. We've been conquered by the Babylonians and the Persians and the Greeks and now the Romans for about 60 years. They've been oppressed for that long by the Romans. And so, spoiler alert, the Messiah comes. Not necessarily what they were expecting. They, they wanted someone, maybe they wanted like a political leader to come and kind of change the political landscape of Israel in order to free them from their oppression. Or maybe they were looking for a leader who, uh, like a strong warrior who using brute strength and force would, would literally fight his way into freedom for the Israelite people. But we get this kid born from a poor set of parents in a feeding trough. That's what they get. And so in Luke 2, starting at verse 25, Mary and Joseph are following the Levitical law, which would say that you need to bring your, baby's eight, your baby eight days after it was born to the temple. He would be named, he would be circumcised, and they would offer a sacrifice to dedicate this kid to the Lord. So this is where we're at in Luke 2, starting at verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout man and was eagerly waiting. Church say eagerly waiting. He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And so we know that he's a waiting guy because he was eagerly waiting for this Messiah to come. But it also says that he was righteous and devout. And the Holy Spirit was on him. And so while he's waiting, he's also working on his relationship with God. Because there's work to be done in the waiting. Verse 26 the Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there, and he took the child in his arms, and praising God, he said, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. For I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. And so God promised him, literally, I'm going to keep you alive because you're righteous and devout. You're going to stay alive until the Messiah comes. And so he's probably thinking in his head, like, I could be hundreds of years old if that, if that prophecy was to come true. Because we've been waiting so many generations for the Messiah to come. And God says he's going to keep me alive until that day. We don't know how old Simeon was, but that's not the point. The point is that he worked on his relationship with God while he waited. And when he holds this eight-day, 7.6-pound little boy... He looks at it and says, I have seen the Messiah. I have seen the salvation for all people. He prophetically affirms this little kid as the divinity of Christ. 
as the Messiah. He, he holds him and just knows because he's been working on his relationship that the wait is over as he holds this little kid. He says, now I can die a happy man. And we don't know what happens to Simeon. He could go home and never wake up when he goes to sleep. We don't know what happens to him, but we do know that God fulfilled his promise and said, you're going to stay alive until you see the Messiah. And he does. Because there's work to be done in the waiting. And let's learn, learn about Anna. This is Luke 2, starting at verse 36. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was a daughter of Phanuel and the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. And so what we do know about Anna is that she's not only a prophet, that God has ordained her with that gift, but that she was really old. These are things that we don't necessarily know about Simeon, but he's specifically telling us this about Anna. So this is This is good for us to know. It says, She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. Because there's also worship in the waiting. Because while we wait for the Messiah, while we wait for God to come, while we wait for our situation to change, and while we wait for things... um, for, for God to, to change the atmosphere in our own lives, we need to be worshiping while we wait. Because we don't just sit idly by and hope that God changes it with the snap of a finger. Because while we wait for God to come down, he waits for us to get up. And that's what she does. Verse 38, she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. In both of these situations, in Simeon and in Anna, they have both been waiting a very long time, but there's also movement in their story. Because Simeon was working on his relationship with God, the, the, the Spirit of God led him to the temple. There, that's, a, that's a statement of movement. He had to get up. And as Anna, she, her story is a little different. She got up every single day and fasted and prayed and worshiped, not knowing if the Messiah would ever come, if she would ever see him in her lifetime. But it says that she got up. Rather, it, she came along. There's movement there. She literally saw Simeon holding the baby. Now, there's something really significant in this. Because they haven't heard from God in about 400 years. And God chooses not only a woman, but an old woman to be the first prophet to affirm the divinity of Christ. So women, this is huge because God uses female leadership to affirm Christ. That's huge. The very first person, the prophet, to do that was a woman. Not only that, but seniors, 
God still uses your leadership and your wisdom and your age to affirm Christ's work in the church. This is, this is a huge moment as this woman just begins to wor- continue to worship because she made it a lifestyle. It made it her job to go to the temple every day and worship while she waited. Because while we wait, for, while some of us wait for God to come down, he's waiting for us to get up. And these two individuals are great proof of people who can do that. And so um, when we're waiting for God to change something, maybe he wants us to change something physically or mentally about who we are. Maybe there's a, a situation that we want God to change in our lives. Maybe, I don't know what your situation is or where you're at. Maybe you've been waiting for God to do something or bring someone along in your life. And you're just kind of waiting and you're thinking to yourself, like, when is this ever going to happen? I've been waiting all my life for fill in the blank. But God doesn't reward your anticipation. God blesses your participation. Hello, church. God isn't just going to look at you while you wait and say, oh, good, you've been waiting 30 years for such and such. I will just give it to you. But rather, God God is looking at us and saying, while you wait, what are you doing for the kingdom? And what are you doing in your your own life, in in our relationship? Because God doesn't reward anticipation. He blesses participation, and he wants you to be involved in what the kingdom is doing right here and right now while you wait for whatever that thing is in your life. Whatever that situation is that you want him to change, whatever that state of mind that you just wish that he would alter in your head. He's saying, well, what are you doing in the meantime? Well, what is it that you are doing for the kingdom while you wait? Are you working while you wait? Are you worshiping while you wait? Because he doesn't reward our anticipation, our waiting, our hoping, our longing, but rather he blesses our participation in what we're doing here and now and what what we're doing to, to work at our relationship with him, what we're doing to work on our worship while we wait. Let me take us back to um, the wedding analogy for a moment. And as I was standing at the altar 11 years ago on July 2nd in 2005. I got it right, honey, right? Okay, good. As I was waiting there in what seemed like an eternity, as she was coming up the aisle to join me, there is a moment where she gets right about here and she just has to stop. Her her dad can only bring her so far. And there's this moment where I need to move to go and receive my new wife. I can only wait for so long until I need to get up and receive it. Because while we wait for God to come down... He waits for us to get up. There's some work involved from our end. 
He wants us to meet us halfway. And while we're waiting for him, we need to go and receive what he has for us now. And not just look for the reward and not just look for the thing, but we need to live in the waiting. We need to live an Advent kind of life where God is saying, I want you to work on some things and I want you to worship me in the waiting. Because there's not a reward in the anticipation. Rather, there's blessing in the participation, in the getting up and going and receiving what God has for me now as opposed to just waiting for that one thing or those things or that change that I need in my life now. And there are some people in this room today who have been waiting a long time for a thing or a person or a change. And we're just sitting there waiting, hoping that something is just going to click and then we'll begin to worship. And then we can begin to praise. And then we can begin to move on with our life. But that's not how kingdom works. Because while we're waiting for that change or that person or that thing, we need to be working on some things. We need to be working on a relationship with Christ. We need to be working towards making the kingdom a bigger and a better place together as a church, as a people. And I'm not saying that's always the easiest thing to do. Waiting kind of stinks sometimes. But the real change begins somewhere in the middle as we wait on him. And as we, as we get up and go towards what he's asking for us. And there are some people here who have maybe never said yes to Jesus. And in a few moments, I want to give you that chance. Because you, you, you're thinking to yourself, well, why do I need Christ? Well, maybe, I'll, t- maybe I'll, I'll follow Christ when he changes something in my life. Or maybe when he helps me with this situation or this person or this sin or this thing I've got going in my life. Maybe when he helps me deal with that, maybe then I'll follow him. But waiting will only take you so far. And he says, no, 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 no. Don't just wait for me to come down. I'm waiting for you to get up and meet me halfway. And there are people here who maybe need to come to these altars in the next few moments and deal with some stuff. That the waiting has come far too long and God's just waiting for you to get up and deal with some stuff. And so we want to make that opportunity available as we sing in the next few moments. We want to make that opportunity available to you to come deal with some stuff, to deal with some waiting, do some work, do some worship at these altars. And then there are some of you who just need to say yes to Jesus for the first time. I'm going to give you that opportunity as soon as the song ends. And I hope that during this Advent season, during this time of waiting, that you begin to not only wait, continue to wait on God, but also get up and meet him halfway. Let me pray for us. God, I truly believe in my heart and I believe Holy Spirit is telling me in this moment that there are people who need to deal with some stuff. And I want to make myself available and then the staff can make themselves available and to pray with some people who have waited for far too long. And surprise, surprisingly enough to us that you're actually been waiting for us to come. And there are people here who need to give their hearts to you, God in these next four minutes as we sing. 
God, may we truly adore the one who wants us, who loves us, who gave himself for us. Holy Spirit, do the work that only you can do in these next few moments as we worship and as we wait and as we work.